Welcome to the REI Mastermind Network, where host Jack Haas gathers amazing stories from leaders in real estate investing. In each episode, our guests will tell you what they're doing that works, what they've tried that failed, and best of all, you'll learn actionable steps to take your real estate investing to the next level. Now, here's Jack with another value-packed episode. We have Mike Titch with me here today. Mike, I really appreciate your time. Uh, to follow along, you can head over to his website, livehomeroom.com slash invest. And I'll make sure to have that link in the show note, show notes. But uh, Mike, I, I had your uh, business partner on quite a while back, actually. It's probably been a year or so now. Johnny Wolf was on the on the podcast. And we were talking about how you guys have really found a niche in regards to making the maximum uh, return on investment when it comes to real estate and real estate investing. And it's still, it's intrigued me so much. I had to dive a little deeper in this. So I'm, I'm, I'm really uh, look forward to this conversation here today. Yeah, for sure. It's, um, so yeah, Johnny handles a lot of the finances and operation side. I kind of handle some of the uh, the data science side, a lot of our marketing um, as well as just figuring out, okay, how do we grow the business? How do we expand the new markets? How do we like, make that work with all like putting our investors like in mind and like making sure we find good deals for them that like make a lot of sense. So, yeah. So what, uh, what Mike and Johnny do together is they, they find properties that they can split up in, in a way to, I, I, I would say that it's probably a lot of college kids and you help. Not as find... many as you would expect. Right. So it's, yeah. it's usually, um, we do have college kids, right. So we do it like 18 plus on all the tenants, but, um, I would say maybe about 80% or between like 20, 22 and maybe 32, just people right out of college looking to try to like recreate some of that college-like experience, like in the professional world, right? So like finding some way to build those connections and more of like a, like a co-living type environment. Um, like yeah, college kids so, your dorms, right? So something like that, except like a little bit more upper, like a little higher class than more like having four people in a room, but not like, not too luxury where it's like ridiculously expensive, right? So Yeah. Well, th- that's, that's what I find so intriguing is like, you can essentially get a house and and charge X rent for the whole house, but you essentially have been able to maximize it per room or even per person in regards to it. So, so you're able to pull in far larger returns than, than just a standard rental property. Yeah. We, we average about 25 to 50% more. So we'll generally take um, your traditional three bedroom that maybe has a little bit of extra unused square footage. Um, we'll turn a living room into maybe two extra bedrooms, maybe sometimes add an extra bathroom, add an extra walls. Uh, we still do all that while trying to make it a decent place to live too, right? So we still try to maintain um, a, a decent sized common area, provide furniture, provide smart locks, provide community events and other things to um, make it so that like the living experience isn't too terrible, but but it's still like it's, like, it's a good place to live while not being too expensive. Sure. Well, let, let's talk about the uh, investment side of it. I think when I when Johnny was on, he and I focused on uh, quite a bit about the experience for that for that resident and how you yeah. manage that. And and in mm-hmm. fact, if uh, people want to uh, take a listen to that previous episode to get kind of more of that type of background, I'll, I'll put that link to that particular episode in the show notes. But I'd I'd like to talk a little bit about your investment side of things. Like how does yeah. how does that piece work? And then since you're in data analytics, let's start with 
what how you run the numbers and determine what type of properties to acquire? So um, generally speaking, we want to find properties that are a little bit on the higher end of square footage that have that extra space. So we'll go through right now. We're in seven markets. We'll identify pretty much every property that comes on the market, um, run it through like our calculators. We generally have a model that predicts how much we think um, a place will rent for in each zip code. Um, the model is quite good for zip codes we're at. Um, it's a little bit lower in some of the other, like it's a little bit more variable in markets that we like in zip codes we haven't really reached quite yet. Um, so there's zip codes we try to, okay, like we're only going to take the places that actually really make sense for us, right? So we try to like really hit the good places first. Um, if it's a place where we already know it's renting really well, we got that pretty much unlocked. We know what each room we went for. Um, we look at the place, say, okay, we can convert this into this 4B into a 6B. Um, and then we can just run our numbers accordingly, right? So we know what like the, um, what we, the price we think we'll be able to get it for based on that area. And then, yeah, like go, go at it from there. Right. Um, yeah. So, so, uh, the, the people that are investing into these are, do they have to be accredited investors or do you do one-offs? How, how does that, how does um, that so, look? So they are buying the property themselves, so they don't have to be any type of accreditation acquired. Um, we are launching, we are thinking of potentially launching like a real estate investment trust and some funds as well. We haven't actually like fully launched it quite yet. We partnered with one of the, like with the syndicate, there's only accredited, like accredited investors. Um, that just launched last week. We already have uh, enough to acquire three to four properties there um, in the next month, right? So, like that, that is an option if people like don't necessarily want to put up that we have like partnerships with that in that side of the world. Um, hopefully, we get even more of those type of partnerships, right? So, um, moving forward, I think that's like going to be a pretty big growth channel for us. But no, in our core business, most of the enough, like I would say, half of them would probably be accredited if they went through like like those number those requirements are not ridiculously high. Right. So I believe it's like 200K income for individuals, 300 something for groups, so $2 million in assets. Right. So it's not like I think about half would fit in that bucket, but I think also half don't. Right. So a lot of people are looking to build up that type of like get to that point at some point. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, like, how do you make that first real estate investment is like what's something a lot of our customers are struggling with. Right. So, like, if you live in San Francisco, you just cannot find properties that are even like break even on um, a cash by cash basis. Right. So you're like, you buy buy this place, but you still have to put money into it month after month. Like even if it appreciates a little bit more than average, it like doesn't feel very great. Um, where like even in a place like Austin, there's still places that will at least break even, right? And like all of our other markets significantly cash flow, right? So like Dallas is like, well, we target a five to six million cash flow. In Kansas City, it's seven to eight uh, percent. It is a little bit harder to rent, so there is a little more risk that goes into some of the higher cash flow markets. But um, it's a, basically a trade off for what people want mostly, right? Um, so, so let's, let's put the cards on the table then. Like, so yeah. how does your company, since you're selling the property to the individual, mm-hmm. how does your, how does your company stay involved or do you, yeah. is it so when they manage the entire the- process, right? So we will, um, well, we basically act as your agent too, right? So we have an agent we, we work with that basically acts as your buying agent. Uh, we consult with you throughout that process. We act as your construction manager. So we um, find the construction company, we put up those walls. Um, and then we act as your property manager down the line. So um, the goal is for us to be like vertically integrated across this experience for you. So you're like just have one person to come to um, and don't have to try to track down all these people yourself, right? So um, yes, you own the property, but we are actively involved in that entire process. So Sure. Okay. Uh, yeah. So when, when you say with, let's talk about the, the <laughs> process then yeah. regarding the uh, management of it. 
Mm-hmm. So we, we're talking about the you're 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 finding the residents, you're placing the residents, and yeah. and how is that experience like? How involved does the owner is the is the owner in this? Yeah, process? so the the owner should really is like completely hands off, right? So we basically find the tenants, we um, yeah, pretty much do do all that for them. Um, most of our um, so we uh, each of our the owners have two options, right? They can either go with a rev share model or a guaranteed rent model. Um, they will generally make more with a rent share model, but if they want to prefer the stability, the, um, the guarantee model is also available, right? So they can pick between those two different options. Uh, I would say it's like, it's slightly more focused on the rent share model. So it's like, we'll find the tenants and then split the rent with them and charge a standard property management fee. So. Right. Um, okay. And then most of this then is managed through your online application, the, the homeroom app, right? Um, so you would think, so it's actually, so we actually have a, um, an outsource team that we use to basically like um, globalize the process. So um, we'll have international teams that do everything possible to try to find you tenants. So um, we are posting on pretty much every site imaginable. If there's a way for us to post there, we will find a way to do it. So whether or not that's Facebook, groups, marketplace, Craigslist, Roomster, there's like, uh, there's a lot of these sites around the country. So we have like a pretty sophisticated process to automate this entire workflow. Um, one thing we've noticed is it's incredibly long tail, right? So like you would think like even our top performing channel would maybe be 10 to 20% of our new tenants. Um, like even something like Craigslist is maybe 10 or 15%, right? So it's like um, in order to maximize that, you have to do quite a bit of work, which we, um, the way we do it is try to just how it internationalize as much as possible so we can get that cost as low as possible for our investors. So, so you know, I, I imagine you have this many people living together, even if they're they're professional professionals. There's yeah. got to be some drama and stuff in, associated with this. How do you reduce the yeah. the issues you can have with this many people living together in the in the same space? Yeah. So I mean, like um, most people are working professionals, it hasn't like it's not usually too bad. It's not like we have like ten people. It's usually like six to seven is kind of the high end we usually go to. So it's like. Um, it's not too bad. I feel like we found, but yeah, I think we try to have like more social game events, game nights. We have like, um, we will sometimes like try to ship them some surprise gifts. We have like a Slack channel. We have a text app, an app that sort of tried to keep people as connected as possible. I mean, like, um, there's always going to be some issues, right? We also let tenants, if they like aren't having, if we don't think it's a good fit there, we try to find them a different house where it might be a better fit. Um, we have some type of like machine learning eventually that'll go into more of like how do we actually optimize which house this or someone will be a good fit in. Um, we found it's like simple like heuristics of like, okay, are they like similar age groupings? Uh, do they think like just setting up meetings with them before they actually move in has usually been like a pretty good like initial feed to make sure they're relatively reasonable. So sure. Um, so yeah, I think I think Johnny mentioned that you, you even have uh, at times you'll even have some of the existing residents kind of vet them out a little bit, right? Exactly. Yeah. So we'll um it depends. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. I feel like it's like a lot of it. We just try to make sure it is easy as possible, and like um, we'll try to at least have like a phone call between the new tenant and the existing tenants as well to make sure they're reasonable people and we'll all get along. So sure. So just a reminder for everybody: it's livehomeroom.com/slash/invest in order to uh, learn a little bit more about this. There's a there's a lot of information on here, including some videos and and uh, how this process works. And uh, hey, it doesn't cost anything for a quick call with your team, does it? Yeah, yeah. So um, we're in the current like Y Combinator batch and something that I've learned is like, hey, like how can I get into contact with more customers? So uh, 
yeah, like for the next month or so, I, I plan to just like add myself to all of these calls. Um, so you'll probably be talking to me, like, <laughs> or uh, or Johnny, like the, the one other guy we have, right? So, um, sure. Feel free to go and set up a call. It's like it's good to learn more and just feel still see where you're at, even if it only makes sense maybe six months from now, right? Like um, we're growing pretty quickly. Like six months ago, we were in like three cities. Now we're in seven. So the goal is to reach like most of the country relatively soon. Uh, one thing I've been trying to focus on is like, okay, how do we do that? Do people have existing properties? Do they want to convert into co-living? Like, could we theoretically handle that? Like, I feel like it's probably not that much. Like we can use a lot of the technology we built for the like tenant finding, uh, for the operations management, for these type of things, and use that, some of that software expertise to scale to other markets without too much work. Um, there's some manual work that goes into that, but the goal is to try to like grow pretty quickly. So, uh, Sure. So do, do you find that like... Uh... Well, let's let's start where what cities are you currently in? You mentioned seven now. Yeah, so we are in uh we're in Austin, San Antonio, uh Dallas, Kansas City, Indianapolis, Pittsburgh, and then like I think actually next early next week will be Tampa as well. And maybe it's the week after that. But yeah. Um so it'll be seven, I guess, in the next week. So yeah. Um, sure. Sure. Um, so and what what were some of the qualifications that you chose those cities? Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to be completely honest about it. This was just the places where we found people that really wanted to invest in some of these areas, right? So the idea is we found we wanted to at least have like places that seemed to be pretty good, like the, the prices weren't too high. Um, we had investors already asking about that. So in our lead form, we basically asked like, what other place where we're not at do you currently want to invest in? And like Tampa was like number one. Um, Austin was pretty much up, is up, it was up there in the top five as well. Dallas was up there. So we're like, these seem like really good cities to expand into. So Johnny's from Kansas guess... City. That's why like oh, sure. Kansas City is there. Um, Kansas City probably wouldn't have been on my top 10 list otherwise, but um, <laughs> that's kind of the outlier for the rest of the film. Right. The of, yeah. So I'm going to guess that, you know, uh, Florida and, and Texas are probably a bit easier to operate compared to some states as well. I, are the, have you run into any kind of ordinances or or some what what are some of the due diligence due diligence you do on the actual city to make sure that they're receptive to some to this yeah, type of I, I think we've learned it doesn't get much more complicated in Kansas City. Kansas City has like 300 like sub cities that make it like very difficult to navigate sometimes because you're not even sure which one to use. So like generally we buy houses that don't have HOAs, right? We like learn to stay away from those type of places. We've learned to try to stay away from different stuff. Like there's a one sub area of San Antonio that's like, okay, maybe we shouldn't stay away. So we just have done some research as we've looked into these areas to make sure they don't have like incredibly strict like zoning laws. But for the most part, it's actually been, it's been working pretty well, right? Like, like Texas, especially they're pretty reasonable. Um, and I think they understand the problem we're trying to solve from a government perspective, right? Like affordable housing is like a huge problem in the, like in the country. Um, like it's becoming more and more expensive just to find a place to live. And we're at the forefront of like really trying to solve that problem for uh, millions of young people out there. So it's like, um, we're willing to work with cities to a certain point, but if they're being like ridiculous, like don't be ridiculous. But most, most of the time they understand that they actually want people to live in their, in their communities and like are willing to figure out the best way to make that happen. So. Yeah, no, I, I, I even brought that part up because in my backyard, we, I have a, I have a city not far from here and it's a, it's a pretty big college town. The city put in an ordinance uh, where it limits the number of cars you can have in the, even in the driveway to, to try to prevent yeah. that type of co-living situations. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, some of them go a bit crazier than others, right? We we think some of these things should be borderline illegal at the federal level, but yeah, but like <laughs> like I think once we get big enough and we have the ability to like push for these things, like that's something we will definitely do when we're close to that size, right? So like the co living industry as a whole, I mean, I still feel like it's still fairly new. Um, as like it's there's a lot of small players, especially around college towns, right? It's like people renting other houses, but there's no like um consolidated like effort at the like legal level to deal like to deal with a lot of these things so um, right. we've we've been beginning to partner with some of our, our competitors actually to try to like at least combined have a little bit more presence in some of these discussions at least in the few markets we overlap with competitors so sure uh, well since you've had experience with regular or, or standard rental properties and now this outside of the returns which you almost sound a little too good to be true to be to be frank what uh, what are some of the other stark dis- differences a an investor would experience? Yeah, so I mean, I feel like the, the main thing is that there also is like some upfront costs associated with it, right? So um, you basically have to add in additional walls to like better fit the type of property. So that's obviously like there's a little bit more in terms of the upfront costs as well as the twenty percent down payment. You might have to put up an extra um, like twenty thousand or so, right, to be able to to get in some of those extra returns. So it's not like it's not like a free extra return, but it is like we find it worth the additional capital outlay from the like from the like from the beginning side of things. So, so do you help uh, investors then? Let's say they have enough for a down payment on one of one of these. Uh, based on what you're saying, it's it's not like you're you're buying a sixty thousand dollar house. You're probably buying you know a couple hundred thousand, if not more. Yeah, doing so the we, uh, we so in each one help- with us. Um, so we'll make those connections to anyone that's like looking for some of this. It's like each city and market we have generally we'll have like a different one or two um that we're familiar with and working with. So yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, we like well, that's one of the things we definitely do is trying to help them gain financing. Uh, you generally don't need a ridiculous amount down, right? It's usually like um 20 to 25 percent plus an additional amount to do all the like construction work up front. Um, so and like then, all and then in you, like 75k minimum usually like sometimes 100 like if you want to go in austin it will be more um like austin the houses are like half a million dollars minimum because it's like oh, Austin's sure. kind of crazy um but like even dallas you can find things in like the two to 250 range that like actually makes sense right uh we check pretty much every house that comes in the market to see if it makes sense um but it generally needs to be it has to have like extra common areas that aren't really being used for things um it has to have like extra square footage um, and it has to be places you can get like a pretty decent deal on too. So, um, mm-hmm. it's about 10% or so of houses that come available that we think could theoretically work. And then, um, most of those deals we send out to our investor list are like, actually like we'll find a buyer pretty quickly. So, sure. Um, yeah. And then, and then you also, you mentioned, uh, putting in furniture and a, and a few other things, like how far do you go on that? Yeah. So, um, we offer the ability to tenants to pay, pay a little bit extra amount to furnish the rooms. Um, most of the tenants are usually like they want to save as much money as possible. So they don't usually go for that. Um, but that, that's an option for them if they want that. Um, but we do furnish all the common areas. So we'll put in um, like a smart TV, um, couches, smart locks, um, and make the place like a, feel like a little bit more of like a community space um, rather than just like like some of our other competitors literally will just turn all the common areas into bedrooms and have like a 12 bedroom house. Right. So we don't go too far. Uh, we try to still make this like a place where you can rent for like a little bit more than like section eight housing or something like that. Right. So it's not like, we're not really competing with them that much in like the really cheap side of things. So, sure. 
So where, which, which uh, city is your most popular right now? Is it, is it Houston or one of those ones in Texas? Yeah. When we're not actually in Houston yet, that's probably one of the next two or three we're going to launch. Cause it's like right next to the cities we're in. Like, um, uh, like Austin is like, Austin will actually be a hundred percent pre-leased. Like the minute we have the house under contract, like mm-hmm. it's actually like, like it is so ridiculously easy to find tenants in Austin. It's kind of insane, but we just like, it's more expensive. So we don't have as many investors there. So um, our number one market is still Kansas city. It's kind of a bread and butter, um, but it's also not as growing as fast as some of these markets in Texas. Right. So Dallas, we're like doubling the size over the last couple of months. Right. Like Austin's basically the same. Uh, San Antonio is growing quite quickly as well. They all have 10 to 20 houses, each of them. So they're all like, they're all growing pretty quickly, okay. but yeah, I think we'll, I think we would be, we will probably want to expand to the rest of Texas. I would assume pretty quickly. So, so well, let's take Austin as an example that you said yeah. you could buy a house there for half a million dollars, let's mm-hmm. say. And what would that house typically rent for in that market? Um, yeah. So I think it's generally like 2,000, 2,500 ish. And then we'll, usually the most, the ones there actually like we can rent it so easy. We try to get people to turn it into like a seven bedroom or so. If it's in a really good part of Austin, maybe $800 a month plus utilities. Most of the areas where like those areas can be even more expensive than 500,000. Uh, most of our properties there are near like Round Rock, the Dell headquarters uh, up in the Northern part of Austin, where you can still find places relatively reasonable um, and, and still have a good employment base to pull from. So yeah, so that, like the numbers are actually pretty good there too, in terms of that, that Northern side of Austin. Um, you're not going to make a huge cash flow, right? You're probably going to be at like maybe one or 2%, um, but you're going to be able like the appreciation there is probably going to be a lot stronger, right? Theoretically. Um, sure. So, so, so that $500,000 house, if it was a traditional rental, it would be like twenty five hundred dollars through yeah, your method. You're looking at ma- maybe three, three or four thousand. Yeah, sure. Okay, and then through your method, you're 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 charging about eight hundred dollars per resident. Does that sound right? Exactly. Yes. So sure. Um, so that adds up as, yeah, a lot more. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's considerable. That's a considerable difference. Yeah. Um, yeah. Austin's one of the markets that's working really well, just because it's like. Um, yeah, everything's been able to rent like incredibly quickly there too. So it's like one of those markets we're definitely trying to expand as much as possible. So, so have you seen kind of a influx of people in certain markets? You know, you see mm-hmm. see people leaving certain states for other states all of a sudden. Yeah, uh, is, yeah that's one that... of the main factors we usually look at, right? Is like how many more young professionals and people are just moving between markets as well. Um, all the cities in Texas have been growing like pretty quickly over the last like ten to twenty years, so that's been like a pretty good signal there. Like. Pittsburgh is actually called having a little bit of a renaissance. That's where I think, oh, maybe it makes sense to like find some areas near Carnegie Mellon and invest in some of those like more higher, like nicer areas there. Indianapolis also seems pretty close to Kansas City, right? So we can use some of the learnings there and apply them to some of the more um, higher income suburbs like within Indianapolis. So generally speaking, that's what we found worked pretty well is some of these like higher income suburb areas of these like major cities. But yeah. Sure. But can you share me a story of like one of the the people that you've been working with and what they've what they've experienced so far? Yeah, so like so for so context, I just joined full time maybe about two or three months ago. So like mm-hmm. I'm like uh, I'm not that close. I know I'm like, trying to think of a good, good story takeaway. Yeah, like I so one is actually I think is a good one, right? So there's one person who was like a friend of the business. He started with one property in Kansas City, um, saw like really good returns. Like a, a guy named Rick um, actually invested in one of our first Austin houses as well. So he was up to like two. Um, and now he just raised about a million dollar syndicate fund um, of about a million in the first three days to just basically buy additional like home and properties. So uh, he's basically buying three extra properties within the next maybe week or two from us too. So the cash flow is pretty good. And we've shown that we've been able to be pretty reliable and it's just feeling to like invest more accordingly. So 
Sure. Yeah. No, that's that's really cool. It it probably gives you quite a bit of satisfaction to be able to help somebody like that. Yeah, exactly. I think a lot of people are looking for more stable investments, right? Especially like the stock market is kind of going crazy, right? Like I think being able to diversify away from that and take some of those gains into something that's more of like has a type of like cash flow basis is also pretty important, right? Because like who knows when it, like the recession will occur, right? If like if people are paying rent, like it's good to be able to have some type of cash that you can base upon, so you don't like have to sell if you're underwater on places, right? So it's like um, if you're still bringing in cash flow month over month, then like there's no reason to ever really sell it, right? So um, sure, it's kind of what we want to eventually lead to. So, so it's always a good question to ask too. Since you've been in real estate investing yourself for a while, what's one of the yeah. biggest lessons you've learned? Hmm. I I honestly thought it would be harder than it was. Um, so like uh, I own a investment property be 10 minutes from my house up in San Jose. Um, their rental returns in the Bay Area are like pretty awful to be honest, but um, like I find all the tenants myself. I, I verify everything. I like have a decent relationship with all them. And like, it's been a pretty good thing. I've had one person that's uh, has a nice job and is finally saving up to like buy a room place in the Bay Area, which is pretty like impressive. So it's like just being able to help people save money and like month after month. Uh, it was pretty interesting. I, I basically do it the same way that home does and have extra bedrooms and rent it out room by room. So I feel like if you're in the same market, it's not necessarily all that hard. Um, I feel like what home does is we allow, it allows someone like me to invest remotely where it is getting a lot harder. So um, with COVID, when I went back to the East Coast to be with family and uh, have people like get better childcare services, it was like, a, it became pretty hard to find tenants and manage everything remotely, right? So I had to like, do a bunch of hacky things on the side and find companies like home to help manage places like remotely just because it is a lot more harder. But um, if you're within 10 or 15 minutes, it's like, I feel like it's a good side hustle. So uh, sure. Yeah, sure. No, it's interesting. So it's, it's also interesting too. Are, do you find that a lot of residents you're, these people are probably choosing a, a facility such as yours because it's cheaper than if they would have tried to find a single one bedroom apartment in the same area? It's generally about half. Um, so we say, uh, that's kind of what we target of half. We, we will be, uh, the utilities are kind of similar, right? But the random amount will be about half. So Sure. But they split the utilities for the most part. Right, exactly. But it's more like um, utilities can also be like apartments will generally like can consolidate it. So it usually will be, it can sometimes, there can be some economies of scale on the apartment side. So it's like, but yeah, it's like the utilities are usually pretty comparable. We can't say too much to that, but yeah. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. We also try to make it like a community aspect and whatnot. But yeah, it is like in Kansas City, almost 400 hours cheaper than most apartments. Um, Austin, it's close to like six or 700 hours cheaper. Dallas, it's almost four to 500 hours cheaper. So um, in the Bay Area, it's like my place I rent at here is almost a thousand hours cheaper than equivalent apartments. So it's like, it's kind of crazy. It's like the number one reason that tenants actually leave is to buy their own properties. Right. So they're usually pretty high quality tenants. And they're just trying to find up ways to save and eventually like buy their own house long-term. So. Sure. Okay. Well, Mike, this has been a great conversation. We kind of covered a lot of ground. If you're interested in what Mike and his team are doing again, head over to livehomeroom.com slash invest. And like I said, there's quite a bit of information there. Um, but Mike, uh, I warned you it was coming. Is there a question you wished I would have asked you here today? Um no, yeah, I can't think of anything too much. I don't know. It's uh, and I guess really, what's one interesting thing you found from like doing all these podcasts and like whatnot? Like, has there been one insight you found really useful that I think like I should take away from you? I guess. So. Well, I, I I actually am always amazed. Everybody takes mm -hmm. such a different approach to this. 
you know, like mm-hmm. you said, it was, it's far easier than, than you originally thought it would, would be mm-hmm. to get into real yeah. estate investing. Yeah. Um, I just find it fascinating how everybody's found their way to, mm-hmm. it's like water, right? It's yeah. going to find that path of least, least resistance. Yeah. You and Johnny have found a way to make rental property work in areas where, frankly, I have had a lot of real, real estate investors who come up and just say, you know, I'm, I'm out of there because I just can't make the numbers work. But yeah, this, yeah, this type um, of model works. It, it, it definitely helps, right? So it's like, if you compare it to what the returns would have been 15 years ago, right? Maybe not, it won't look that good because like prices have come up, right? So much, but like, um, but part of that is like, you have a lot of like, I, I feel like um, if you compare the US real estate market to even a lot of countries overseas, like you can still make so much higher returns here than like a lot of other countries, right? So it's like, like I see 20% ROI and I think that's ridiculous, right? Like my wife comes from like another country, right? So she's like, wow, that's like ridiculous compared to what you could be able to get in uh, like Beijing or something where you like can barely rent it out at all, right? So like mm-hmm. actually being able to make cash flow off of it is like pretty important. Yeah. No, this is, and I, I keep coming back to the fact that, you know, I, I would have to think in your position doing this type of thing, there, there'd have to be a lot of uh, reward associated with helping people achieve certain goals. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, uh, we try to be a like relatively like vision focused company, right. I was trying to be like, how can we make it this a reasonable experience for the tenants that like work with us? We're not like a hundred percent being like absolute maxing out every last square inch of each property. Um, also there's some long-term benefits of like the cities don't really hit us. So it's like, like we could probably make like squeak out a little bit more money if we were just like made the places awful to live in, but then there's like, and then it is also harder to find tenants, right? So we still try to make these places right. like pretty nice and good living experiences, right? And be able to like, hopefully people refer their friends and these type of things, right? So, yeah. Well, I, I appreciate, really re- appreciate your time here today. And uh, you're welcome back anytime. Maybe uh, we can talk a little bit. I'd be, I'd kind of wouldn't mind nerding out a little bit and get into some of the analytics on a few of these things. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's like it's something I've really we kind of just started with as a company, right? I was trying to figure out how can we figure out where we expand to, right? Because we um, we started in just a few markets, and it's kind of like I feel like the next thirty markets are pretty self like they're pretty easy for us to justify, right? Like after that, it's going to make might be a little harder, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the one thing I can't understand about this market is why there is not a single one of our competitors in like over five markets, like um, and like all of them are in the large cities, which is like. It is so easy to find tenants for some of these places in large cities that it's like, I don't know, the fact we've actually been able to make this work in places where it is like, it is pretty difficult. I was talking to like another investor where he like used to have a place in Kansas City and he just like gave up because finding tenants was so hard. So like us being here, like there's a large, like we have a large international team to be able to make some of this work, right? And like being able to leverage some of that network um, and skill set, I think like sets us up pretty well for like to try to grow into different markets. So. Yeah. How do you, how do you do? I think one of the bigger pain points there would be expanding your property management on the ground in those areas. Have you found that difficult? Yeah. So this is one of the things we also noticed is that generally we don't need a huge amount of resources on the ground to make it work. Uh, Especially with COVID, right? So we have a lot of like task managers. We have third-party services that can provide a lot of these things that um, the on-demand economy makes it easier. There's a lot of these services that make that type of thing easier. Like managing that whole process, we've experienced like leasing agents overseas that have experienced like 
renting out places in Bangkok for a fraction of the price, right? And like being able to do that remotely, like it's like using that international skill set, it can be pretty useful to just like find tenants, manage um, whatever needs to get done, and like it allows us to do it for um, to scale a little bit easier, right? There's still always like some property management work that needs to be done in person, but um, not as much as you would think, right? Huh. Well, I, I, like I said, I appreciate your time. Uh, you're welcome back anytime. I hope you'll take me up on that. Yeah. Sounds great. Yeah. It's um, yeah. We just brought on a, a new like header engineering. So I would love to have him on one of these podcasts at some point too. So yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. So sounds good. If you learned at least one actionable step to incorporate into your real estate investing, if so, please consider returning some of that value by leaving a positive review, subscribing to our YouTube channel, or joining our growing network on Facebook and Twitter. You can find links to all of our social media accounts in the show notes. See you next time.